Welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast, the show by fans or fans of your Milwaukee Brewers. Hello, Brewer fans. Welcome to another episode of the Brew Crew Review. This is Scott. I will be co-hosting today with Vince. Vince, how are you? I'm doing fine, Scott. How are you doing? Uh, not too bad. I mean, I guess considering uh, outcome of the Brewers game was not uh, quite what I was hoping for today. Uh, Brewers took one on the chin and lost 9-1. to one. Uh, Kind of disappointing, but um, we can kind of go over it. Um, first off, I don't know, any initial thoughts or do you want me to just kind of give a recap of the game? Yeah, well, my thoughts aren't exactly positive right now. I know that um, normally Craig, our co-host, is the positive one, and uh, maybe him and Chad will dial in here today as well and give their thoughts. But, no, I, I guess just disappointment uh, more than anything. You know, you expect that you're in a three-game series likely to lose at least one game, but I was disappointed that uh, the Brewers couldn't get the series win today, and, and we lost our first series of the year. So one and two on the season and 0-1 uh, in series play on a, on a you know, shortened season that is even more important, obviously, than during a 162-game schedule. Yep, absolutely. Uh, the offense was just not there again. Uh, only three hits from the Brewers all day. Um, we had, uh, yeah, Smoke, Gamble, and Arcia each collected hits, but that was really it. And uh, Tyler Chatwood was on the mound for the Cubs, and Tyler Chatwood was, well, frankly, one of the worst uh, starting pitchers, or actually just pitchers in general last year. And um, he really looked, I don't want to say in control, um, because he, he, only threw 51 strikes and 84 pitches, but 84 pitches got him through six innings um, and uh, just uh, three hits, two walks, and eight Ks. So a pretty decent line for him. Uh, he kind of seemed to be cruising along. And again, the, the Brewers offense just was not there. Yeah, and one observation I've had the first, again, it's only been three games, but one observation I definitely have picked up on is that the Brewers seem to be far more aggressive at the plate uh, than maybe in other seasons. It seems like you know, this year the Brewers are not drawing many walks yet. We haven't really worked pitchers. I, you know, that first night uh, against Cal Hendricks in game one of the series was example A. I mean, you just – I don't think it, the Brewers had anybody that worked him to a three more than a three-ball count, uh, and hardly any batters even did that. So it just seems like we're being uber-aggressive, and maybe it's just, you know, a little impatience to start the year. But, you know, all teams are – uh, in that same boat as the Brewers would be. So I don't understand why, you know, it seems like the offense isn't, you know, being a little bit more patient uh, as we have seen Brewer teams do uh, in the last few seasons, being on base in a variety of ways. Yeah, I actually thought um, after after the, the opening day when uh, we faced Hendricks, I just thought, you know what, uh, Hendricks was pitching. Uh, it kind of reminded me of like the – old kind of vintage Greg Maddox days where you were like, Hey, the first pitch he throws is going to be your best one to hit. So, um, you know, maybe be a little bit more aggressive, but Tyler Chatwood is notorious for um, giving up a lot of walks, not having the best control. Um, and today we were still very aggressive. So uh, yeah, once is a fluke, two is a trend kind of a thing. Yeah, and it's almost as though the Brewers changed their game plan a little bit later in the game. You saw a little bit more patience after former Brewer Jeremy Jeffers was brought in, it seemed like, and uh, he hit a batter. He uh, got fell behind in the count a couple times. The Brewers didn't score any runs off of Jeffers, but um, they did manage to hit the ball hard that entire inning. And 
um, had a couple runners on base. So it seemed like maybe they had changed their game plan. But uh, as you mentioned, I don't know why they would have a have a game plan that wasn't preaching patience with a guy like Chadwood on the mound, uh, you know, to, to start this one off. So that, that was a little bit of a surprising takeaway from today's game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, looking over at the Brewers pitching side, um, we, we're going to have the exact same lone bright spot here. Uh, so we'll start anyway. Freddie Peralta, he, he went three innings. Uh, he gave up four earned, two walks, three Ks, uh, three hits. But um, yeah, he, he definitely struggled a little bit uh, finding the strike zone and it, it didn't get much better. Corey Knabel was kind of brought in um, very early and uh, kind of thought that he was going to be able to uh, hopefully put out that fire and uh, keep Freddie Peralta's line a little bit but um, intact. But unfortunately, he allowed a few uh, inherited runners to score, and uh, he he only pitched, I guess, a third of an inning and only gave up one earned run himself. But uh, Corey Knable did not look particularly sharp. It wasn't like he was getting smashed, but he was just giving up uh, single after single, and it definitely came back to haunt him. Uh, Eric Lauer pitched – two and two-thirds innings. He only gave up one hit and a walk and six Ks. He was the lone bright spot. And then um, Wall and Grimm, uh, they came in. It was sort of mop-up time at that point. Wall came in. He had struggled with uh, keeping his curveball down, uh, got away from him a little bit, definitely gave up uh, the one run. And then Grimm came in and gave up a couple home runs as well. He gave up three earned in one inning. So uh, let's talk about uh, yeah. your pitching. Yeah, interesting line today. I, I really think that the uh, – well, two stories here. One, as you pointed out, on, on the optimistic or positive side was Eric Lauer's uh, uh, debut here today. The uh, Lauer was just added to the roster shortly before the game, actually, today, uh, the Brewers' first roster move uh, of the season. Uh, Mike Morin never actually appeared in a game with Milwaukee but was designated for assignment prior to the game today. Uh, Lauer added to the roster. He had been left off due to exposure uh, to someone who had COVID, although he never had it himself, but uh, had fallen behind a little bit during our summer camp uh, for that reason and uh, made a brilliant debut today. It was really impressive to see his performance. Um, David Stearns in the Brewers front office had talked very highly of him after acquiring him from uh, San Diego in the Zach Davies and Trent Grisham trade. Um, so it was exciting to see him make his debut and to, to have some major success against a very tough offensive lineup. Um, I think that the other major story on the pitching side was Corey Knabel. And um, it was a little odd to me that he were, was to come in in that situation. Uh, he came in in the fourth inning, which is obviously, you know, not something that he may have been used to. And I don't know if this is going to be indicative of a trend where council is using guys in any, literally any position um, coming out of the bullpen, just situational based on the game. Uh, or if that's something that was kind of unique to today for whatever reason. Um, I don't know if it's uh, also showing that, you know, it's going to be Josh Hader for sure as the closer this year uh, and not reverting back to sort of that late inning duo with Knabel, uh that we had back in 2018 prior to Knable's injury. Um, but that was the other story today for me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess it wound up being um, probably the most high leverage situation in the game. So not a bad time to bring in Knable, even though it was so early in the game. Um, but having said that, um, three games in the series, uh, none of them particularly close. And with that in mind, 
uh, Josh Hader was not used the entire series. So that was kind of interesting, but I think it's to be expected. Um, we're going to obviously use him in all of those close, late, high leverage situations. And uh, in this series, there simply were none. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I'm sure we'll see Hader in, in Pittsburgh at some at some point, even if the games aren't particularly close one way or the other, um, simply to get some work at this point. I know Hader did appear in the exhibition game against the White Sox uh, shortly before opening day, but, um, you know, I, I, I was a little surprised they didn't make any appearance, but neither did the Cubs closer, uh, Craig Kimbrell. So um, a series fought without closers. Yeah, exactly. Um well, other, I guess, notable parts of the game, I suppose. Um, Brewers really, they only scratched across the, the one run. That was with the, the RCS single. And uh, unfortunately, yeah, Cubs got home runs by uh, Contreras, Half, and Rizzo. So a uh, big offensive day for them, obviously. Um, I don't know. I don't really have a lot as far as takeaways from this game. I mean, the offense just wasn't there. The pitching wasn't there. And, you know, what are you going to do? Move on. Yeah, no, it's a tough way to end a series, but, you know, with this being such a sprint of a season, you really can't afford to dwell on any games. That goes true in a 162-game season, but uh, let alone in a 60-game season. So uh, Brewers heading to Pittsburgh uh, tonight following the game and uh, kicking off a three-game set against the Pirates starting tomorrow night. So we're right back at it again. Great to have baseball back, if nothing else. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um takeaways from the game the, the most interesting part i think i found in the game was um i forget his name i think it was stadler uh was pitching for the cubs and he needed a rosin bag he was really struggling uh with his control out there but um with the new covid rules i everybody kind of brings in their own rosin bag and he did not and so uh, he had to get someone from the bullpen to get it to give it to someone to give it to someone to give it to him um, the whole point of like the whole everyone gets their own rosin bag is so that it doesn't exchange hands like six times and you have like six people touching it. But um, uh, what can you do? It wound up slowing down the game and it uh, was kind of a ridiculous sort of theater piece, but um, hopefully uh, we'll get that under control in the future. Yeah, it certainly kind of defeats the pace of play rule changes that were put in place by Major League Baseball going into the season this year. I mean, when you've got a, a rosin bag having to be ferried uh, out to the mound by three different guys and run in from the bullpen, I mean, it's it's like literally the most time-consuming exercise that you could possibly have. And I don't understand the safety protocols uh, when you do have multiple people touching the bag, but neither here nor there. Um, Scott, one other uh, historical – from the history corner, I just wanted to point out um, – Besides Eric Lauer, there were three other Brewers who made their Brewers debut today. Uh, Logan Morrison received his first start and first appearance as a Brewer, uh, batting fifth in the lineup. So that was uh, interesting to see. He didn't have any hits today, but he did hit the ball hard a couple times. So good to see Logan Morrison appear as a Brewer. Uh, Jed Giorco also made his first appearance uh, in a Milwaukee uniform today. And then... Uh, we talked about Eric Lauer, and the other debut today was, oh, Justin Grimm, who did not have the best of uh, Brewer's debuts. But we did put that out on, or had our interns put that out on Twitter. Uh, for those of you keeping score, that is 888 guys who have officially worn the uniform of the Milwaukee Brewers. Awesome. Um, I also wanted to talk briefly about uh, all our fun uh, Twitter polls that we had going on lately. Uh, again, that's at Brew Crew Review and then the number one. 
Uh, so definitely follow us there. And uh, hopefully if you guys like this podcast, definitely tell a friend, give us a five-star review, fun stuff like that. We're going to give you as much uh, timely and frequent information as possible. So, um, and not only that, but we also get um, a lot of great uh, inside information uh, from our anonymous source, Tom Carter with the Brewers. So that's, that's also a good reason to turn in. Yeah. Yeah. We're the only podcast that gets any uh, information from our anonymous source, uh, Tom Carter, but uh, Scott, just as a, as a gentle reminder, he wanted us to not put his name out there on our podcast. So you're going to have to edit this out or have the interns edit this out. Uh, oh, he oh, wants oops. it to be Tom. Yeah. Tom C or T Carter, but not Tom Carter. Don't say Tom Carter's name on the air. Okay. Yeah. I'll, okay. Um, I will have the interns on that. No problem. Consider it done. Okay. Um, Thanks Scott. Yep. A uh, couple quick Twitter polls that again, if you guys, you know, follow us or hang out on Twitter for some reason, um, you can always participate in these. But um, first of all, uh, as we know now, we talked about a little bit, uh, MLB expanded the number of playoff teams uh, from 10 to 16 this year. Um, so uh, first I wanted to ask people, um, well, what do they think? Do you approve? And believe it or not, 55% uh, said no, did not approve. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I, I always thought, um, I don't know, to me, it kind of seems like the NBA season where it doesn't really mean that much. And as long as you finish around 500 or better, uh, you're probably going to make the playoffs. So, um, but with a shortened season like this, I guess I can see kind of why they did it. But um, yeah, kind of interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. I know that our polls are pretty scientific and we get a lot of people voting. Um, I, you know, I think that the biggest thing for, for me, at least, it's, it's a huge change, right? And this is a season of changes, so I'm not going to get too worked up about it here for 2020. I do hope uh, that it's not indicative of things to come. I do think that, you know, one of the best things about baseball uh, has been that it is really a sport where you really have to earn your championships. And you know, not that the NBA teams don't, but at, or the NFL teams don't, but at the same time, the levels that you have to go through in Major League Baseball uh, to be as good as teams have to be to win a World Series has traditionally been, I would say, the highest bar in professional sports. I mean, this is a this is a sport that didn't even have a wild card until, what, 1995, yeah. 96, somewhere in there. So, yeah. I mean, this, this and, and even the, the divisional realignment wasn't done until the mid-90s as well. So, you really had to earn your way into the playoffs, historically speaking, and, and certainly earn a world championship. And all the teams that made the playoffs in baseball have traditionally been really, really good. Um, so I do think that watering it down does uh, negatively affect that image at least. But again, if it's just this year, I'm not too worked up about it. Uh, the other major problem that I had with it is the, the you know, late stage uh, that it was done. I don't think that many fans really had time to digest uh, what this meant. I mean, it was literally done the day before opening day. Um, which is crazy when you're when you when you think about it. The fact yeah. that it's you know dramatically realigned uh, sort of what teams had to consider when making personnel decisions uh, on the field going into the season, and uh, to have that done less than 24 hours before first pitch uh, last week it was it was crazy to me. So um, you know if you're going to make a major change in a sport, generally speaking, you would do it right at the conclusion of the previous season or at some point early on in the off season so the teams can plan so that uh, fans can adjust so that, you know, expectations are kind of where, where they're supposed to be. And none of that was done. So I think that some of the negative reaction on our poll is, is, you know, fans kind of reacting to that negatively simply because of the late date as well. 
Yeah, that's definitely a possibility. Uh, kind of makes me wonder what's going to happen uh, with the trade line that's, <laughs> I guess, going to come up in, what, a month? But um, it, it should be interesting because I, I don't know if that means that a lot more teams think that they're going to be in it, so they're going to be trading to try to get better, to try to, you know, maybe potentially bla- like break a playoff drought that they might have, um, or if it's going to be um, something where – nobody wants to trade anybody because they all think they have a shot. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with it. Um, one yeah. more thing. Um, one more quick thing about the Twitter polls. Uh, 95% of you said that the Brewers were going to be a playoff team with this new um, expanded playoff format. So um, definitely good to see uh, the fans uh, believing in them. And then um, one last poll that we had uh, was um, – with uh, the shortened season and the long wait that we had to wait for opening day, um, are they more or less excited um, about baseball this year? And this this was definitely a poll that kind of split the broom. Um, 43% were actually less excited. 41% said they're more excited. And 16% said they're about the same. So, um, yeah, right. really split the room. Yeah, I kind of get – a couple of answers on that one. I mean, I am always excited for opening day. So in that sense, you know, it was about the same for me, but you know, this year it's just, it's such a weird year overall. I mean, we've got people, we can't even go into restaurants hardly. I mean, it's insane what's going on right now. So I think that for the country's sake, for all of our sanity, I, I may maybe even a little more excited. Um, I don't like a lot of the rule changes. I don't like the runner being on second base. I don't like the expanded playoffs. That being said, um, I do like the idea that the Brewers are playing baseball and that there are games on my TV. Um, and that is way different than, you know, some of the more negative prognostications over the past few months that we wouldn't see baseball this year. And um, people even looking ahead to the next collective bargaining agreement and thinking, geez, we may have baseball like one out of the next three seasons, maybe none if the virus is still hanging, hanging around in uh, 2021. So, you know, for from that perspective, I think it's really good for the country that we have a baseball season going on and that there is something normal that is happening on our TV screens. So from my perspective, it's an even more exciting reason or a, a, even a better reason to be excited about opening day. Yeah, and uh, to touch base briefly, I know we've talked a lot about the um, the runner on second uh, being automatically placed there in extra innings. Um, I agree with you. I think it's kind of weird. Uh, Mike Clevenger uh, of the Indians, he actually um, quoted, he said it was the wackiest stuff, but he didn't say stuff uh, he's ever seen. So uh, he definitely does not approve of it either. Well, well, it is. It is the wackiest stuff you've ever seen. And and the fact that the National League is using the DH, I mean, that's just another major rule. That's literally been a rule since 1876, and uh, it was changed in a matter of days. (laughs) And it's, it's I know it's been kind of talked about being changed for a number of years and the American League, of course, has had the DH since the 1970s, but, um, you know, you're talking about some pretty drastic major changes taking place. And, um, you know, I guess the real question for me isn't about this season. It's about whether or not these changes are going to become permanent. I do think the league is setting a precedent um, to make some of these changes permanent. I certainly I, I care less about the DH than I do about the runner on second. Uh, but, you know, I do think that the league is trying some things out and what's already a very weird year, um, but we can have that debate going forward. I just hope that there is still 
an actual conversation that will take place that will discuss this instead of it just being sort of the league mandating that this is now what we've become accustomed to and it's just going to be sort of an automatic thing. So I, I do hope that it's still at least being uh, it's still on the table for discussion. Yeah, when it comes to like the extra innings and the runner on second, I'm like, where do they even get this from? I think those are like in. I think that's a rule in some softball leagues, but I've never heard it really anywhere else. I, I personally don't think that well, that rule is going to stick, but uh, I do think that the DH is going to stick in the NL. I think that's going to be something we're going to have moving forward. Yeah, my concern with the runner on second is that they tried it in the minor leagues going back a season or two now, so it's like they were using it as a template and. You know, they're, they're looking at this as a time-saving uh, measure. And, I, you know, again, I know we've talked about it in other podcasts, but I don't go, I don't go to a baseball game to, uh, you know, not be there. And I generally don't care if it's going to take an extra 15 minutes. I mean, the average amount of time that's saved by some of the changes that they put in place is like less than three minutes a game. And, again, um, you know, people are allowed to exit games if they – it needs to be somewhere else or if they want to go. So I, I just, I don't understand the need for it. I, I get that this generation isn't necessarily all about enjoying a pastime, which is literally uh, something that takes place without a clock. And um, that being said, you know, again, no one is forcing people to sit there for, you know, an extra 15 minutes or however long it is. Um, so I, I guess I just wish that they would, you know, refocus on what makes the game itself great rather than, um, trying to kind of artificially control people's time. It, it makes no sense. We all have the ability to leave if we don't want to be there. Yeah, the the pitching situation too, where um, if you get brought in in the middle of an inning, you have to finish that inning. Um, that uh, kind of reared its head a little bit today. Um, didn't really factor into anything, but um, I still think that that's a, a really kind of messed up rule. Uh, I, I just don't like it at all. Yep, agreed, Scott. <laughs> well, um, let's uh, let's do this here. We'll run through the all of the NL Central scores, both of the NL Central scores. Um, so today, uh, the Reds actually lost to the Detroit Tigers by a score of three to two. Uh, so that's not a bad thing. And Pittsburgh actually beat the Cardinals five to one today. So um, most of the NL Central suffered a little bit today, uh, aside from Cubs and Pirates. So uh, not not too bad. And uh, let's see, do we want to talk a little bit about COVID? I know everybody loves to talk about it. It's really... Well, I mean, I wasn't looking forward to it, but yeah, we should go around the league a little bit. The big story today is that the Miami Marlins had uh, four players who have tested positive for COVID. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a story, you know, it's a big story, and it's a big story, uh, I mean, number one, because of the guy's health uh, that's, that, that are involved in this. But um, this is the first real test of the MLB COVID protocols and what, what's going to happen. So I hope it's the last time that we hear about it, but unfortunately I don't know that it will be. So now, you know, the Marlins are faced with having to replace the four players, having to retest all of their players because they've all been, you know, in contact with each other uh, and then doing that trace testing. The question for me becomes, so what happens if through, I mean, through contact tracing, these guys are all, next to each other for three hours a day at, at bare minimum, probably closer to five to six hours between the time in the clubhouse and the time on the field. So now does everybody that came in contact with those guys, namely the entire team have to have to sit out? Do they call up a minor league team, a group of guys that haven't played all season or I, I don't know what's going to happen with it. 
Yeah, it's going to be really weird. It's going to be a very um, tricky scenario. I guess they're, it seems to me that um, they're kind of in a, they're just going to have to find a way. I mean, I, I really don't know, even know what the protocol is. I know that um, each of those four players now is going to have to get tested and cannot have a fever. And then once they not have a fever, they have to pass back to back COVID tests. So they're going to have to test negative for two tests in a row before they can come back. Um, so certainly hope that that um, happens sooner rather than later. Uh, among those four Marlins, uh, former Brewer Garrett Cooper. Um, if you haven't heard of him, I won't blame you. It's okay. Um, but here's a name you should know. Um, Reds infielder Mike Moustakas, former Brewer, um, is being held out as like sort of a COVID precaution. Like he doesn't have it, but he uh, was in close contact with Matt Davidson, a teammate who did uh, – test positive so uh he's gonna be out for a little while as well well and it also should be said uh just getting back to the the requirements for guys coming back from covid you also need to be able to test negative in different days so you can't just test negative in your back and uh take you know tests a couple hours apart or something you actually have to have a 24-hour window so the tests have to come back negative and they have to come back negative on two separate days so um, you know, provided that one of these guys hopefully gets through this really quick, they're, you know, they're generally young and athletic and if you're playing a major league baseball. Um, so they might bounce back quicker than the average person. But that being said, you, you know, if you are out for a few days with symptoms and then you test negative, say two, three, four, five days later, uh, you are still going to have to spend at least another 24 hours uh, under quarantine uh, and then test negative again uh, before you can actually get back to the team. Brutal. Well, I don't know. I guess it's all the name of safety or something. Um, but some positive COVID news that we've actually heard, um, not here, but kind of a sign, um, the, uh, the KBO, uh, Korean Baseball League, is going to um, start to allow fans, it looks like, uh, they're going to have fans, and each fan is going to be re- like required to wear a mask the entire time, and it's only going to be 10% of their capacity, and you can't sit next to anybody. So uh, wear a mask the whole time, no eating, no drinking alcoholic beverages, uh, but, hey, come in and enjoy the game. So, I mean, fans, well, with, even with those yeah. restrictions, it's a, it's a step in the right direction, right? Yeah, that's something. And uh, we've seen this before. I believe that Taiwan has also allowed fans into their uh, games already this season. Um, unfortunately, the condition of things in the United States is not where some of these other countries are with, you know, new cases popping up and, and really devastating, you know, specific states and including Wisconsin, which is on the rise, unfortunately. Um, again, so I, I think it's going to be a while before we see fans in the stands. If I had to make a guess today, um, I would guess that there will be no fans allowed in the games at any point this season, but I hope I'm just being too pessimistic. I know that our uh, former executive producer, Craig, he, he does think that there will be fans allowed into games uh, at some point this year. Um, I know he's normally the optimistic one in our group. So um, that was, that was not a total surprise to hear from him, but I, I just think that with things being where they are currently right now and with some of the, the numbers where they are right now, I just think that unless there is a massive improvement within the next few weeks that you're not going to see that. And don't forget, teams are going to have to, number one, have time to implement new guidelines and policies. And number two, uh, you're going to have to have at least a couple weeks between 
generally very low numbers, uh, you know, in, in states and probably the country as a whole, um, mixed with legal uh, options so that, you know, you've got to get bans on mass gatherings of people lifted by government. So that's going to take a while. And then you're also going to have to have, um, you know, a couple of weeks of the, of, of, of the case numbers going down so that it becomes, you know, realistic. So I, I just, with this short of a season, I don't necessarily see it happening, but I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, no, you make a great point. I, I guess I was thinking the whole time that like what you were saying about how each different government is going to have their own kind of ruling on it and how they're each going to uh, try to figure out and come to a consensus. Uh, and like, even if let's say like, just hypothetically, let's say the whole U.S. everything starts looking great, but um, it like COVID blows up in California, and every state says, "Hey, let's bring in fans," but California is like, "No way, we can't do that right now." Then now you have right. a handful of fans that are a handful of teams that can't have fans while others can. It's even though slight, it's an unfair advantage, and so I can't imagine it being something that they would that they would actually take part in. So I don't know. We'll see. Well, and. And, and right now, case numbers are skyrocketing in California. So there's five teams in Texas. There's another two teams. And in Florida, that's another two teams. So uh, that's nine teams out of the 30 teams in Major League Baseball, right off the bat, almost a third of the league. Uh, then count Toronto, which doesn't even allow the team in the country, let alone fans at this point. That's a third of the league <laughs> right now that are either playing in hot spots or in areas where the government has said absolutely no. Um, it was actually a last-minute decision, as, as long-term listeners of our show know. I live in Washington, D.C., and uh, it was actually a last-minute decision by the D.C. city government um, that that allowed the Nats to even play in Washington this year uh, in, in in a stadium with no fans. And living here, it's way different than in other parts of the country right now. I mean, D.C. is still on a lockdown from March. It's barely opened up at all. It's still in a phase – what is it? What are, what are we in right now? Phase – two has just been scaled back to phase one. So it's only like the essential places that are open and you can't go in without a mask anywhere. Uh, restaurants aren't open at all. I mean, except for carry out. So, um, you know, when you're in a place like that, it's going to be way different than a place, uh, you know, that maybe has less restrictions and less rules. Um, a state like Georgia has got a ton of new cases. So the Braves are in that boat. Um, so it's really going to be difficult. I think for major league baseball to have fans that go into stadiums this year uh, we'll, we'll see what happens but i i'd be shocked yeah i agree with you i mean right now um i'm here in las vegas um and i i know it's it's weird because everything is basically open here but you have to wear a mask everywhere you go uh but even like the casinos and all that fun stuff is open having said that um we're kind of sort of getting to that tipping point like i always look at i don't really care how many people get covid i shouldn't say it that way but like that's not the number that I look at. Um, I look at like how many people are in the ICUs and can the hospitals actually handle it. And right now we're kind of like bumping up against the, the part where ICUs are starting to overflow. So I don't know if we're going to have to scale something back, but you know, Vegas yeah. is a big uh -huh. tourist town and there's a lot of money at stake too. So, and you know, our right. economy is driven by that. So we're kind of trying to toe the line, but I don't know, we might have to scale it back a little bit here uh, in the coming week or so. Yeah. Uh, We'll Actually, see. Scott, I thought I just read that the casino is closed again in Vegas. I thought I just read that this morning. What? Oh, well, I haven't yeah, heard. I could be, I, I could be wrong, but I, I've heard of a couple that um, have have decided to shut down, but I didn't know that that was something that was citywide. I guess we'll find out. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't looked at it yet. But um, 
Yep. Yeah. It, strange times for sure. Um, anything yep. else you want to add about this particular broadcast? Uh, or should we wrap no, it that's it, Scott. Have a have a great week. Enjoyed our discussions this week. We'll be excited for uh, another another big series for the Brewers. They're all big series this year, but uh, team heads out to Pittsburgh uh, for a series starting tomorrow night against the Pirates, and so uh, for our first series win here in Pittsburgh this week. Yep, uh, six o'clock Central start tomorrow. Uh, Brewers at Pirates. Pirates their home opener, um, if you can call it that, sort of, but. Yeah, that's all I got. Um, I don't know. Stay classy, right? Hang in there. Yeah. <laughs> stay classy, Scotty. All right. Stay classy, Brewer fans, and the entire state of Wisconsin. Better, better news this week. All right. Go Brewers. Go Brewers. Do, 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 do.